Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. Hello again and welcome to Cross Training with David Anderson on Catholic Community Media. And we're broadcasting from the beautiful Uptown Studios of Loyola University in the Mike Early Studios. Today we have a great guest, uh, someone I think you're going to find very interesting, Clarence Adams Sr. And he's got a great story. Uh, Clarence was brought to me from Deacon Rich Eason, who's a big fan of Clarence's. And without further ado... Mr. Clarence Adams Sr., welcome to Cross Training. Well, David, thank you for having me, and uh, the feeling for uh, Deacon Neeson is mutual. I, I'm a big fan of his also. Yeah, he's uh, he's when you, you're around some people and you just feel um, their holiness. Absolutely. And that's what it is. Absolutely. Uh, it's not, it's not a... Uh, whatever they call, you know, people have great big personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard gives off holiness, and uh, he's got a great per- big personality. Not boisterous guy, but you feel his presence you, if he's in the room. You definitely do. You definitely do. And he gives love wherever he goes. And that's where he gets it. It is mm-hmm. love, and it is based in Jesus. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you were telling me, prior to us uh, flipping the on switch, that um, you were in the hotel business. And we had met prior. uh, Correct. I remember you several times Mm -hmm. going in there. Uh, But before we go into that piece of it, tell us about where you grew up, how did you get to that esteemed position, and uh, what what brought you there? Okay. Okay. I grew up in the Seventh Ward of New Orleans, uh, went to Catholic school for most of my life, um, eight years at Corpus Christi, nice. uh, two years at St. Og, and then I decided I, uh, I transferred to the public school system and graduated from uh, Clark High School, mm-hmm. um, went to Suno. Um, along the way, I, I, David, I've always been a believer. I've always had faith, but, um, kind of got away from the church a little bit. Uh, well, a big bit, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, um, but I had quite a few jobs. Uh, I worked. Uh, in law enforcement with state capitol police. Um, that job went away when the state abolished the department. They have since brought it back. But uh, once they de- abolished the department, I wound up getting into the hotel business. Um, was the security director um and eventually the assistant general manager of, uh, of a hotel here in the city. La Pavillon. La Pavillon. Classic right. hotels in mm-hmm. the city. Loved the hotel, but was really getting tired of hotel work. Um, How long were you there? I was there um, about eight years. Oh, wow. And uh, loved the hotel, loved the people who worked at the hotel, but it, it it really wasn't fulfilling to me. And that's where we first met. We had had lunch uh, regarding uh, the police foundation and areas mm, correct, to prove that. Correct, correct, um, We had met over there. Um, as I said, I, I loved what I – I loved the hotel, still loved that hotel, um, but was really getting tired of – the hotel business, uh, 
extremely long hours and you know now I, I can put in some long hours but it's different anyway um, I had decided that it was time for me to move on um, I needed another job but I never went and looked for another job if that makes any sense to it you. It makes sense to all of us. We all procrastinate our uh, intentions. Well, I think um, looking back on it, I realized that um, God had a plan for me, and Amen. I wasn't moving along fast enough, so uh, – one morning, I got a call from the general manager, who is still a very good friend of mine, uh, and told me that they had to abolish my position, um, offered me another position that would not have affected my salary at all, but said, you know, maybe this is God telling me it's time to move. So I, I You really, had been wanting to move. Yes, I had been wanting to, I had been saying I was going to do it, but never went and looked. So God gave me that little nudge. And you had the financial wherewithal to make that decision, to go look. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. I really stepped out on faith. Nice, nice. And uh, we actually um, – one day I was at the employment office uh, looking through the computers and I came across a management job, didn't say where it was at or how much it paid because in all honesty, I never would have accepted. <laughs> I didn't know at the time, I didn't know anything about homelessness or homeless people. And the position that I took over there was a considerable cut in pay. Um. But went in for an in after uh, I told the gentleman at the employment office that I was interested in in that position. He called and made an appointment for me. Then he told me where it was at. Uh, at that point, I decided that if I go in for an interview and they offer me a job, I would try and stick it out for a year. And that's how. Um, I got into the, the the homeless, and we still business. haven't said where it is. Um, no, it it is at Ozanamian. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Ozanamian, Ozanamian is a uh, homeless shelter and transitional housing. Uh, for sixty six years, we house sixty six years. We we housed men for sixty six years. Um, two years ago, we, once again, um, I was, you know, I've learned that the best way to get things done is just to get out of the way and let God do what he does <laughs> because I had, uh, so here it is 29 years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we didn't say that either. Correct. 29, 29 years, years later, later uh, Nove November will be 29 years that I've been at Almost the half of the existence of the organization. Yes. Yes. Congratulations, because it's a name of great respect. And uh, in New Orleans, people may not have had to be there. They may not have volunteered time or money, but everyone knows it's a place where uh, men and their women can seek refuge off the streets. Absolutely. And uh, thank you. Uh, it, it's really my pleasure. I get, I receive more than I give. I can honestly say that uh, from the people that's there. Um, I have, when I went there, I didn't know anyone who was homeless. So I thought. You didn't know that you knew anyone homeless, I'm correct. sure. Correct. I have run into many people that I have uh, grown up with that 
have went to school with from, you know, from from grammar school through college. Um, Actually, the first person that I met that I knew over there was the the person that I really admired the most in college, Um, a person who just seemed to have everything going for him. Again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training on Catholic Community Media, uh, an affiliate of EWTN. And today we have Clarence Adams Sr., the CEO uh, for Osmond N. Back to you, Clarence. Okay. Um, and David, that, that person that I said that I knew from college, uh, he walked up to me on the yard one day at lunchtime, and he was like, uh, he came up, spoke, and I spoke to him. And he said, this isn't my first time seeing you here. He said, I hope that you were volunteering and would go away. I didn't want you to see me like this. Aww. And um, talked to him. We this is new when you were new. I, I was fairly new at the time. And you I, went in as CEO. No, no, sir. I I started there as the uh, office manager. Um, from office manager, I was promoted to the um, administrator, and, and and this was directors or CEOs. Um, retiring and when the executive director that hired me retired um, his assistant moved up to the executive director Um, I was promoted to at the time position was the administrator Um, in 2016 uh, Deacon G, who was the executive director, uh, decided that he was ready to step down, and I took over uh, and as director or CEO. Um, so, for the last uh, eight years, that's what I've been doing. I've been through a lot. You moved from downtown. Yes, we were located on Camp Street between uh, St. Joseph and Julia and that's another one of the stories that uh, where God just stepped in and took over for us. Lay it on us. Um, We were in a building that well, let me back up a little bit. When Ozanamian first opened in 1955, it opened as a uh, a place where men who were homeless can could get a meal and basically a meal in the cot to sleep in. Um, we have moved alone and done so much more now. And did um, they open in 55 in the building or camp? They actually opened in the building next door. Um and then eventually the building that we just moved out of on Camp Street uh, became available. And uh, that building was purchased. Ozanamian originally uh, opened as a special works of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Oh. And uh, that building became available and. uh the society bought that building, and that has been the home of Ozanamian uh, up until two years ago. Um, as some of you may know, that the society in 2019, I believe, sold the building. Um, but we were already looking for a new home because we had outgrown that building. It, it had served its purpose. I'm sure, 1955. Yeah, it. Yeah, we're we're in a building that's has a lot of great memories, but you know, 
It was hot in the summertime. It was cold in the wintertime. Uh, there were always issues with plumbing. Talking about so my on. home? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, it, it's just like a lot of the, the old New Orleans <laughs> So, How um, many people did you house there? We housed 96 people there. Um, but we have uh, one of the things that we have now, we have a case management staff. Uh, the office That's so is, important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, David, for years, Ozanamian did a great job of managing homelessness. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Our goal is to end homelessness. Um, case by case. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we have uh, one one of our board members now who is formerly homeless. And as a matter of fact, now that's one of uh, it's in our bylaws that we're going to have at least one homeless or formerly homeless person on our board. Because I can tell this story, but I can't tell it like they can. It crushes me every time I drive by all those tents and, you know, right now we have several pockets. I, I stay, you know, kind of from Claiborne to the river in that area. And there are three different pockets of almost villages. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's many people say that we're never going to end homelessness. I believe that if, if people saw the miracles that I see on a daily basis, they they would know that it's possible. It's possible. Can I do it? Can you do it? No. But God can do it. So you introduce the folks that come stay with you to God. We do, we let me let me clarify by saying we offer the services. Um, we have a, a lovely chapel. Um, we have uh, chapel service available, but we don't force anyone to come. Um, I believe that we show them God, and eventually they come in. That's um, the only way. Yeah. I, I, if I, if I may tell you a, a story that I have been so amazed by very recently. Please. Um, a friend of mine who works for the downtown development district, um, had called me and told me about the lady that has been, he would see her every day at Lee Circle. And he's like, I know y'all have clothes. If if I can ever convince this lady to come and get some clothing, would would it be okay? Can I do that? And I'm like, sure. We have certain times, but if you call me, if you can convince her to come and get some clothes, that's the first step. Um, he told me he had been reaching out to her. She wouldn't talk to him. He offer her food and water and she'd tell him, I don't need anything. Leave me alone. Um, and this went on for a couple of months. And one day I got a call and he told me, he's like, uh, Clarence, the lady that I've been telling you about said that she's ready to come and get some clothes. Can I bring her over? I said, sure. Well, he came over with the lady and she needed more than clothes. She she definitely offered her to take a shower, and she she readily agreed. Um, had one of the ladies that that's on the program over there assist her, and uh, the co deputy director, whose office was right near where they had to pass. Called me and she said, the lady was talking. She said, when she got out the shower, she was talking, uh, I, not to me, but I overheard her saying how good she felt she hadn't taken the shower in so long. 
lady came down. They said, well, would you give it a try? Would you try staying here for one night? Just give it a try. See how, see what it's like. Okay. I'll try it. That's been about three weeks now. I jokingly call her the queen of the Oz now. She, she talks to everybody constantly, always laughing and joking. She is so full of joy. And I have never seen a transformation that quickly, that big of a transformation that quickly. In 29 years? In 29 years, I've never seen anyone come that far that fast. We had um, the director of programs brought her to get her state ID. And on the way back, she was telling uh, the, the director of programs how Good she felt. Um, she felt better than she had in a very long time. And she asked for a comb. She said her hair was really matted. She said, I don't know the last time I combed my hair. And you know, I used to go and get my hair fixed and so on and so forth. Well, when I heard that, we we called in a favor <laughs> and we wound up taking this lady to get her hair fixed. She went to the hair, brought her to the, the hair salon. And for the first time since she could remember, she had her hair done. And she is just a completely different person. Um, we haven't housed her yet, but. She's not spent the night? She didn't take oh, no. Yes, she's been staying there, but we haven't permanently housed her, but that will be done soon. And she's probably really enjoying the connectivity and camaraderie of everyone. She is loving it. My friend that works for the Downtown Development District, he comes by. And visits. Yeah, comes by a couple times a week. And the lady, um, we fight every day now. She fights with everybody, but a good fight, you know, joking with, and, and she is, uh, she's just a joy to be around. And he came to visit her the other day and she told him, I guess I owe you for me being here now since you kept aggravating me. <laughs> but she is just so happy that, and, you know, he was talking to her. She was like, are you okay? She's like, I, I feel much better. I feel much better. Oh, bad. Lee Circle is not a great place no, to be. No. And, you know, and the, the thing is, so often with the people that we serve, they've run into so many roadblocks. Uh, they've had so many doors closed that they, you have to build that trust. This is David Anderson, host of Cross Training on Catholic Community Media, and today we have the CEO of Osmond Inn, Clarence Adams Sr. Tell us another story that keeps you driving. One of the, the most difficult things for me when I first started working at the Inn, it was uh, we have programs for people who are homeless. You can come in, you can live there, you work there, you have a permanent bed, and then you 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 know, you go out, you find a full time permanent job, you can continue living there. How um, many people do you house? We house a, a total of um ninety seven men and fifty nine women. That's currently. impactful. Yes. And of those people that we house, there's um most of the people that you see working at the inn are homeless people. Mm -hmm. um, they're not employees. They're in the program at Ozanam and getting their lot, trying to get their lives back together. And I found when I first started, one of the hardest things was we would come. I'd, I'd see people and they appear to be doing a really good job and you're like, oh, that person's going to make it. And then I'd come in to work one day and they'd be gone. And it was funny because 
quite often I'd get on early on, I'd get on my pity pot and I'd start feeling sorry for myself. And uh, as crazy as that sound, I, you know, I had faith in this person succeeding and they didn't. Um, and I'd start feeling sorry for myself. Why am I even here? I'm not making the difference. I could be making a lot more money, so on and so forth. Once again, as I told you, why I know that this is where God wanted me at. Whenever I would start feeling that way, I'd get a visit, a phone call, uh, a card or letter from someone who had come through the program saying, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm still doing okay. Thank you for everything. Um, you get letters like that? Oh, absolutely. That has to be, first of all, it's got to contribute to your 401H better than anything else that you uh, retirement in heaven. Uh, what could be more? What could God well, want more of us than to help our brothers and sisters at their lowest point? Well, uh, nothing. Well, let me tell you now. Um, I make it a point where the staff don't have to wait for a visit or a letter or a phone call because we surround ourselves with those people right now. We have several, um, as I mentioned, we have one, one member of our board who's formerly homeless who, um, we have several employees who, have come through the program and they're formerly homeless. They've gotten their lives back together. Um, I'll give you one in particular, Jesse. I'll, I'll give his name because I know he, he will tell his story to anybody who'll listen. Jesse came through our program many years ago. Um, Jesse was homeless on the street for five years. He was, he was a crack addict. Or a lot of folks uh, have addictions or yes, yes. alcohol see, being the number one. We see a lot of people with um, alcohol addictions, um, drug addictions, mental health issues. Oh, wow. And quite often they're, they'll have a dual diagnosis because they'll have mental health issues and don't like the way the medication makes them feel. So they start to self-medicate. And... You know, it, it gets to the point quite often by the time they get to us, they've burned all their bridges. So it takes some time to build that relationship up. And so Jesse, Jesse came to us through um, Jesse used to come and stay at the, the inn occasionally. Quite often he would stay on the street because he was out chasing drugs and there was a certain time you had to be in. So um, Jesse came and talked to me one day, and he's like, I "I'm tired. I'm tired. I want to. I want to get my life back. Like I have to go to the hospital. I have to have a hernia surgery. When I'm released from the hospital, can I come into the medical program? And we have a program where a home person is homeless, uh, and they." They're released from the hospital with serious injury or illness. Uh, we can take them in for a limited amount of time to recuperate. So that's what happened. Jesse went in, had his surgery, came into the medical program. Uh, when he was released by the doctor, he came through our crew program where he worked at the shelter and so forth. They had about nine months when he decided he was ready and he went out to, um, it was La Meridian at the time. It's now the, uh, um, JW Marriott. Uh, Jesse went, put in an application and they called him in for an interview. And he went in and he told the HR person his story. He said, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I haven't had a job in over five years. I've been homeless. I've been on the street. I've been a crack addict. I'm 
live in that Ozanami and, and I believe that if I'm given that opportunity, I can once again become a productive citizen. It's like, if not, I'm probably going to wind up back on the street smoking crack. And they hired him. <laughs> and uh, Jesse came, did his job, did a great job while he was on the program. At the time, I was chairing the advocacy committee for the homeless. Jesse is about, we're about the same age, but Jesse calls me daddy. And Jesse used to tell me when, you know, daddy, if I can ever tell my story to, to help somebody, just let me know. Well, he had no idea what he was getting into when he told me that. <laughs> Jesse now has told his story all over the country. Uh, is he still with uh, the Marriott? He has retired from the Marriott, um, but he is still. Not only did he go there when there was a story in the paper um, several years ago. We, when I was with the when I was on the advocacy committee, we had. Um, we came across each other then too. Yes. With Unity and mm -hmm. Husband In and yes. a big campaign. Yes, absolutely. And back then there were some issues between the homeless and the homeless service providers and the police. So anyway, we worked through that and what we had started doing was going in and doing trainings and roll call. Not telling the police, you better do this or you better do that, but instead giving them options. For instance, like Ozanamian, I would tell them, if you run into a person, I don't care what time of the day or night, if they're committing a nuisance offense and you don't want to take them to jail, bring them to Ozanamian. I don't care if we're full, we're going to take them for you. And... There were quite a few of us. There were service providers who would go in. There was uh, a Loyola professor who um, taught a lot of the people on the police force who were getting their master's degrees. And then we'd have a homeless person. So everybody had something to give. And that homeless or formerly homeless person would say, you know, that person that you see that's hopeless that, that you may think there's no hope for, that used to be me. And, and Jesse would do that. And the more Jesse talked, the more he liked to talk. <laughs> so uh, he has shared his story all over. Uh, Jesse is on our board. He's on the, on the board of Unity of Greater New Orleans now. He is, Jesse is one of the founders of the, uh, the Alumni Association for Ozanamian, where we have Jesse and many of the other people who have been homeless and who are now successful, uh, they're coming back and showing the, the people that's in the program, look, it can work. It worked for me. Here's my story. Um, they came to me a couple weeks ago and said, what we'd like to do is have a, a tailgate during the Saints game. Instead of the traditional lunch, we want to do a tailgate. We'll pay for it. I'm like, no, we can pay for it. We have to do lunch anyway. So go ahead and do what you want to do. And it is something that all of the people enjoyed so much. But, you know, it takes little things like that that can get people who have no interest in joining the program, people who may feel it's not going to work for me, but those people bring them in, the love that they receive at the end. This movie, uh, oh, Drumline. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with and, great, great. Uh, if you recall the band director, and this is something that I've just started um, pushing, the band director in there would, would tell the band, one band, one sound. And 
that's what we're trying to get across to everyone now. We go there. We we play that same tune to everyone. We show them love. We show them that we're not here to tell you what an awful person you are. We're not here to tell you you should have done this or you should have done that. We're here to show you unconditional love and to offer you an opportunity to get back to where you want to be. Wow, our church is great. Uh, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training. Uh, we have interesting guests today. Uh, Clarence Adams Sr., CEO of Osmond Inn. And you mentioned the tailgating kind of segues into our next section of food. <laughs> uh, and that's I, I do a little stint every once a month. Um, if I'm good, I do it once a month uh, at Holy Name. We send a crew over there. And Rich Eason does, has a big crew that goes <laughs> over there a couple times a month, I believe. Once a week. Every Thursday. And cooks and mm -hmm. uh, your kitchens over there are amazing. If you're a food person, the kitchens that you put in in the new facility uh, or, or that, that big giant trough thing, <laughs> I don't know, cooks <laughs> pasta or soup or I don't know. Um, it's a, a skillet. Um, I, I'm, I'm not the – the cook person, so that that's uh, Greg, uh, our food service manager. Beautiful who, kitchen. Who also, um, and you know Greg. Yes. Um, Greg came through our program also. Um, what do you What do y'all cook on? Uh, and, and you provide three meals a day, seven days a week. Correct. How that's many correct. meals total? That's a uh, uh, you call it right about one hundred and fifty a day per per meal, huh? Um, actually, it. We're probably with the, I'm trying to think now, probably somewhere in in that neighborhood now. That's know. a big operation of production of food. Mm -hmm. Do you? What's your favorite meal over there? I like his jambalaya and fried chicken. I, I can, uh, I can. You know that that's his that that's a good fried chicken. Yes, <laughs> yes. is special. <laughs> uh, so they have that new, that new festival, the fried chicken. Festival. Yes, absolutely. And it's one of those things that you see, and it's like, oh, that seems so logical down here. Yeah, fried chicken festival, <laughs> really? of course. Really. Uh, what do you do for the tailgate? What's the menu for your tailgate? Well, this was strictly. The the alumni. alumni they did um, red beans and rice. They did hamburgers. They did barbecue chicken. So uh, they had. Is that something they do every Saints game, or is no, that just they, a once a they did season that, type of thing? They did that for the first time um, a couple weeks ago. They are already planning another one. So I, it, I could almost see that as an opportunity to sell the food, too. There are a lot of people that go tailgate not far from where you are. Mm -hmm. They'd be happy to pick up their food there and then you know, go the couple blocks where they're tailgating. But most everybody out there is cooking their own food. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that we really want to be cautious of, um, we want the, the people uh, – the unhoused people who's over there to feel comfortable and not feel like they're on display. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it, it's. Uh, and again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training. Uh, we have um, a very special guest in here today, and I think you guys are certainly enjoying uh, Clarence Adams Sr.'s uh, conversation as he talks about running the trials and tribulations of a, uh, a, do you call it a homeless shelter? Or do you just call it a shelter of Osmond Inn? Well, and we call it a shelter. Um, we are starting to get changed more from homeless to unhoused. Mm -hmm. um, and because that the 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 word homeless has 
I guess, such negative. Sure, sure. But you seem so much more than that. It's almost like a platform for someone who has gotten to that level to stand on, to regain, get on their feet and absolutely climb. And, and that's what that's what we want it to be. Um, I'm going to tell you that the the city of New Orleans has a new, uh, a fairly new um, director of homeless services and strategies, uh, really great guy, uh, Nate Fields. Uh, he's a person with lived experiences, has uh, done this in other cities, and I, I, I think we're very fortunate to have him here in New Orleans. Um, but Nate will, I, I feel so proud that when Nate, meet someone out there and he they tell him how they really want to change their life i'll get a phone call from him nice uh and he will bring them over and say hey this person i talked to them they they told me they want to change their life i believe them can you help them so you know it it makes me feel good that he uh, he has that faith in us, um, and that our the community has that faith in it in us. Whether it's, you do, you have an unbelievably great reputation for providing help to other humans, <laughs> and, and that's the key. We have to. Um, I don't care who you are, what you look like. What you did in life. Um, one of the things that I, it, I fight with the people in my program about because, and very seldom, uh, if I'm eating lunch, I make sure to go down after everyone's eaten because if there's a line, when I get in line, the person in front of me always wants me to go ahead up. I think, no. I'm no better than you are. I should not be moving in front of you. You are, we're equal. <laughs> you know, I have a different job here than you do, but we're equal. And sometimes it takes some, some doing to build up that self-esteem in people. Uh, quite often they've been torn down so, so many times and, um, beat down so low. Um, like I, I told you the story about the lady who it, it was just amazing. And, you know, I, I know when I get back to work, she's going to be, be there waiting for me. Like, where have you been? What you doing coming in so late? But that's in, in the three week period. She's gone from not talking to anyone to, you know, Making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, spent some time teaching two semesters teaching a GED class at another shelter, um, and uh, they had speakers every day. And if you wanted to stay there, you had to go to the afternoon uh, religious service. And I offered one time. I said, "How about you know we try to get the archbishop to come in." And they said, well, we'd have to have him preach and see how he preaches. I knew right then uh, I'm probably at the wrong place. They're doing a great job. They are doing a great job. And I still have guys that I'll see downtown sometimes. They'll come, hey, David, hey, David. And, uh, um, you know, it's nice to see folks that uh, even if they haven't, if they've fallen back down, <laughs> it's still nice to see them. If a person has a a addiction it's not unusual for them to not make it that first time by the grace of god i don't have an alcohol or a drug addiction but um i was addicted to nicotine and when i first came to work at Men, i had not had a cigarette in two years and went back to smoking 
So I understand these addictions. Do you still smoke? No, sir. Thankfully, yes. Thankfully, it's been 20-something years since I've had my uh, last cigarette. And um, thankfully, I no longer have the taste for it. My father said he had smoked a long time. He passed away in 06. Um, He said there wasn't a day he didn't want a cigarette after he quit. Well, Every day. Well, I can say for those two years, there wasn't a day that I didn't want it. I don't have the taste for it anymore. Uh, I do find myself on occasion just subconsciously reaching for a cigarette. And then I realize what I'm doing and kind of chuckle it to myself. But um, now I know now that I don't want a cigarette. I want the carton. You know, so I'm not going to pick up that first one. <laughs> Tell me a story about, you told me your, your recent stories. Tell me when you first got there, what impacted you the most? And tell me about your your prayer life now. How do you go to Jesus? Well, um, when I first got there, uh, I Actually, the story I told you about Jesse, that was Mm -hmm. early on. um, And Jesse was probably the first person that that really drew me in. Jesse was on our program at Ozanami, and Jesse met a young lady who, uh, I don't know if you remember years back, pre-Katrina, there was a shelter on Magazine Street. was the Brantley Baptist Mission. I remember it. And this young lady was on the program at the Brantley, and she was a recovering addict. And they met up, and they started dating. And I actually sat them down and said, you know, I'm telling you all, this is not a good idea. Uh, if one of you slip, you're going to drag the other one down with you. And, and as I said, Jesse calls me daddy. Uh, he's like, daddy, I, I understand. I know what you're saying. I know you're looking out for us. but You we're, cannot stop that attraction. We, we're we're going to be different. I'm like, sure, everybody's going to be different. Well, actually, they were. They fell in love. They got married. And every time you saw one, you saw the other, uh, two people obviously in love. And unfortunately, after a few years, Carol got cancer and passed away. Um, I was really concerned for Jesse. And, and Jesse told me, he's like, yeah, he, he had gotten his sobriety pretty much hand in hand with Carol. Uh, there was that that love that they shared. Um, is he going to be able to handle it? Jesse's um, came and talked to me one day. He's like, Danny, I, I know you're concerned about me. It's like, but I'm going to be okay. And Carol and I made a commitment to each other. We promised each other that we would stay drug-free for the rest of our lives. Mm. Said she kept that promise to me. Said now more than ever, I have to keep that promise. And he did. He did. You know he. But um, he was one of the people who, probably the first one. We have since brought in many people. Our office manager came through the program. Um, How many people do you? Treat in a year. Treating in as far as coming through the program. Yes. Yes. Um, it varies because the program can be up to a year. Um, many people don't stay that long. Uh, if a person is working toward their goals, we've had them stay more than two years. Uh, before we've been able to house them. So it kind of varies depending on the the crew that we have at the time. We have probably between 30 and 40 people at a time on the program. 
And you support it all by individuals. Yes. Yes. Um, we, we, we do get some funding, um, which is mainly for our case managers. Um, we, we have, uh, but you know, one of the things that I really, that I fell in love with, with Ozanamian, um, when I started working there, Ozanamian is one of a few places that will say, we can't do it all. We can't do it all. So, um, there's things that we do, but then there's things such as medical. We have LSU Medical School that comes in, uh, Tulane Medical School, healthcare for the homeless. We provide space. You mentioned GED services. One of the things that I always wanted, in addition to being able to house females, I wanted to have adult education. We were all set when we renovated the building that we bought. We were all set, uh, had one room designed as a classroom. Was all set at the beginning of uh, this year. We were going to start adult education. I got a phone call from Brother, Brother Don with uh, Hope House. Like Clarence, I understand there's really good things going on in that building, that new building, a lot of good things happening. But when you were on Camp Street, it was easy for your clients to get to us for education. Like, yeah, I know. I'm actually thinking about starting our own over here, you know. Well, I'm looking for a place to start a new adult education center. Don, come see what we have over here. <laughs> so he came in. Uh, Don and Sister oh, Lillian right. came in. They looked at it. And now Hope House is operating an adult learning center. Amazing. Out of in. Amazing. You know, we provide the space. You do. You know, there's no sense in me trying to reinvent the wheel. You've been doing this for over 40 years. You come in here and do what you do best. Wow. <laughs> well, we're going to end on that beautiful high note. And we'll ask our listeners to join us. We'll say the Hail Mary and say goodbye. But first, before we do that, I just want to really thank you on behalf of all the people in New Orleans on what you do. You really impact people's lives in ways they don't even know. Uh, thank you. Well, David, thank you for having me. Uh, I enjoy nothing more than talking about Ozanami and, and uh, the way lives are changed there. Doing God's work. It. Absolutely. Amen. So let's start. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with us. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Cross Training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media. Thank you.